What I learned early in life was that I had to put, for me personally, I had to always have a fight on my calendar. If I don't have a fight on my calendar, I'm not pushing, I'm not pushing limits. Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec, widely known as the 49ers Y coach, now your coach. Join me on this journey from why to purpose to impact. The key to it all, taking action. Prepare to get tactical as our guests share their daily playbook where purpose no longer has to be a distant North Star. It can become a 365 way of life. Let's go. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Joe DeSena into the conversation. Joe is the founder and CEO of Spartan, the world's leading endurance sports brand. In a journey that started in the same neighborhood as Goodfellas with direct mob influence to Wall Street, to a farm in rural Vermont, where Joe discovered his passion for adventure races and endurance events. It was there that Spartan Race was born. Now a multiple-time New York Times bestselling author and host of CNBC's new show, No Retreat, Business Bootcamp, Joe's work has been featured in Business Insider, Men's Health, Inc., Forbes, ESPN, and the Joe Rogan Experience. Bottom line, Joe builds unbreakable humans by foregoing comfort, committing to courage, and conquering any challenge in his path. Buckle up and let's welcome Joe DeSena into the Playmakers podcast. Joe, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? Thanks for having me. This is uh, this is awesome. I can't get anybody to talk to me, so I'm psyched that we're on Playmakers. <laughs> Oh, far from the truth, my man. Let's actually start with something that's pretty hot off the press. So at the time that we're getting into this, you just had a show, uh, which I absolutely love. And I believe you're about three eps in now by the time this launches, maybe more. But talk to us about No Retreat and Business Bootcamp. That's something that I, I, I love the mission of it. It's something that's unique and different. So I would just love to kind of get that backstage pass for all of our playmakers on what what inspired the show and, and, and what are you looking to deliver to everybody that's tapping into that community? Yeah, basically, um, my whole life has been a no retreat, right? Like I, I'm, I'm trying to make myself better every day. I'm trying to make people around me better. Um, my mom and dad did it to me. Uh, my mother pushed me. Uh, my father pushed me to ridiculous levels and, you know, if you're on the outside looking in when somebody's being pushed, you might say, oh, gee, they've gone too far. But the reality is we are capable of going so much further than we do, especially in this day and age. Like when I think back to the 1800s, I read an article, by the way, in the early 1900s. President Roosevelt had a buddy who was in Oklahoma. True story. And he was taking a, he was taking a train. His, the, his Roosevelt's buddy was taking a train to Washington, D.C. to see the president. So he says to his two boys who are like 13 and nine or maybe even 10 and eight. And he says, saddle up your horses. Meet me in Washington, D.C. I'm taking the train. And the two young boys, the two young boys ride horses from Oklahoma to Washington, D.C., and along the way, the press, you can Google it, the press picks up the story every town they stop in. And I guess my point is, we, we used to do so much more. Our comfort zones, 
um, were so much wider than they are today. And so I try to push people to that place where we came from. In doing so, a lot of people, you know, raise an eyebrow and say, geez, pushing too far. But but we all become better. You know, businesses become better for it. That's what the show is about. Uh, families become better. Individuals become better. Kids become better. I, I don't just focus on business. I, I torture everybody. <laughs> yeah, and you don't use that word lightly. All right, I love where you're bringing us. So let me ask you this. Well, look, we all have a gift. We all have a superpower. I think one of yours is mental toughness. As I just know you absorb everything that, that you're putting out there, I view you as one of the most mentally tough people that I can come across. And so my question is, you brought up your parents earlier. Maybe that's where it comes from. What's the origin of the toughness? Like, how did you become so mentally tough? Well, I think you got to practice it. I don't, I don't, you know, first off, when we come into the world, when we're born, we're all mentally tough. The, the, the folks, the, fo- the babies in the 1800s were the same as the babies today. Um, you know, go, go back uh, 2,500 years, the babies were the same. They were, they were no different. What was different was the way they lived after they were born. Uh, were they coddled? Did they live on Park Avenue? Was the room climate controlled? Did they tap Uber Eats to deliver junk food for them? We, we learn helplessness all day, every day. And so what's possible doesn't become what's reality. And, and um, and I guess I got lucky. I grew up in a neighborhood. If you saw the movie Goodfellas, I grew up in the neighborhood where Goodfellas was was filmed. Um, it was depicted, you know, this this neighborhood was of organized crime and and local business owners, restaurants, uh, masonry yards, etc. Uh, and everybody was a hustler. Everybody was gritty. You had to be. Um, most guys went to jail. That was like going to college. Uh, it's not even a joke. Like you had to do your time in jail. And so, and then my mother gets into yoga, meditation, health food. And I watch her, you know, fast, not eat fast and, um, and meditate for 30 days straight. And, and, and she then then she introduces me to a run in Queens, New York, not far from where we lived. It's a 3,100 mile run around a one mile loop. Talk about mentally tough. Holy smokes. Yeah, and it was put on by her guru, uh, a yogi who wanted to show what people were possible. You know, um, 50, 60 miles a day for 50, 60 days straight, right? So, you know, Joe, where'd you, where'd you pick up this mentally tough mind? It's really what you're introduced to as a kid. Yeah. Well, and I know that's even the spirit of your latest book. You really wrote in, correct me if I'm wrong, it's all about resilience, but you kind of put the, the family spin on it. It was more about parenting and raising. So talk to us about that. You, you've shared a bit about how you were raised. What are you trying to pay forward in the sense of a lot of this came during the pandemic and I know we were very disconnected. And so I've heard a lot of talks of yours that probe into that. But if you could say this is the current state of where I see our our youth and our mindsets now, and this is where I'd like to get it. uh, Walk us through that transformation. Well, again, when, when the child is born, male or female, they're gritty, they're resilient. But then we start putting, um, we put governors on them, right? Don't get dirty. Don't get dirty. Can't go outside. 
uh, don't do that. Don't, oh, it's too dangerous. Oh, don't, like the kids don't make any decisions anymore. They don't go outside. They have zero time. And by the way, I wrote a book on it. I talk about it on your podcast. I still make these mistakes. Like in this environment we live in, um, we are over-parenting, over-coddling, over-feeding, under-pushing our kids. Um, I was I was in a workout yesterday with my daughters in the morning. They, the, my boys wrestle every morning. Uh, they might as well be with Rocky Balboa. I mean, they are getting killed every morning. And um, the girls are falling behind. So I started pushing the girls to do the same, you know, I don't want the girls to fall behind. And I was watching their workout yesterday and I thought, gee, the coach is doing a great job, but he's not pushing them that hard. Like this is kind of a soft workout. I mean, if you saw the boys with their goal, but it's the world this coach lives in. And most, co- like we all live in this world. Oh, I can't, it's okay. They could run kind of slow for, th- run slow for three minutes. I said, let's run slow for three miles. What are we doing for three minutes on a trail? Are you kidding me? What kind of workout is this? So anyway, we're we're creating a bunch of soft marshmallows as kids. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I've actually heard you talk about that as well. So for all playmakers that aren't familiar with the marshmallow story, talk, tell us about that. And I know it's even had an influence inside of your home. Well, 1972, Professor Walter Mitchell at, at Stanford University takes a bunch of kids, puts them in cubicles, offers every kid a marshmallow, puts it in front of them. And says, look, you could have that marshmallow now. You could eat it. Or if you wait, if you abstain from eating it, I'll come back and give you two marshmallows. Most of the kids eat the marshmallow. They don't have the the, the fortitude, the willpower. They end up eating the marshmallows. Some of the kids hold out and they get two marshmallows. They followed the kids for 30 years. And what they found were the kids that were able to hold back and not eat the marshmallow, not take the cookie, they had better lives. They had better SAT scores. Everything in their life was better. Better marriages, better houses, better jobs. Everything in their life was better. So no surprise if you're the person that constantly hits the snooze button, if you're the person that stays up late with the extra glass of wine, eats the extra cookie, if you have no self-control, you're you're not going to be as successful. And you know, that's another thing to teach to kids. I had, I had my, my older son uh, this past week. Uh, they were cutting weight for wrestling, which means he's not eating for a couple of days. And he was getting miserable and he was tossing and turning and complaining, can't you change my weight? And of course we could change your weight, but you didn't commit to changing your weight. You committed to, make, you committed to making weight. The neuroscientists I talked to, you're going to love this. The neuroscientists I talk to say, you know, between those ages of 10 and 20 years old, maybe even lower, like seven to 10 years old, the kids that take on hard challenges, in the example I just gave of my son cutting weight, the kids that that take on those challenges and then complete the job, in other words, make it to the end, to the finish line, they leave marks in the brain. They literally leave, leave lines that look like train tracks. The kids that don't had my son quit and change the weight to make it easier for himself. It leaves a gap in the brain that the, that the neuroscientists see. And so not only, not only are you teaching like resilient, it's changing your biology. 
to finish the task at hand and not quit. Yeah, I love it because, well, you're you're talking a lot about how we're trying to pay this forward, how we're leaving people better than we found it. I know from what I've studied on your purpose that your purpose is to help people. And so I want to talk about, you mentioned the Goodfellas uh, area. And so on studying you, knowing you, there are some stories that lead to a pool business. Talk to us about how you got involved. So from that neighborhood that you described, because I think this is all connected. This is why you're on the mission that you're on. Some of this early perspective and advice that you got, some of these values that were formed at a very early age. So talk to us about that origin story, what you learned from, uh, let's call him a mentor for now. I'll let you kind of color it, but it leads to a pool business and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, my father was having tough times. It was the uh, late seventies, early eighties. And my neighbor's the head of the banana organized crime family. He sees my parents getting divorced. My father's having tough times. And he says, Hey, come over on Saturday. I'll pay you to clean my pool. I show up and he says, um, sit down. I'm going to teach you three lessons before we get started here. Number one on time is late. You're supposed to be here at eight o'clock. You get here at seven 45. Number two, you better go above and beyond. If I tell you to clean the pool, I, I want you to straighten up the lawn furniture, clean up the shed, do things I'm not paying you for, but make yourself invaluable. Number three, don't ask for money. Even though you're doing a service and you're supposed to get paid, don't have your hand out. Too many people have their hands out. You'll get paid if you do a good job. And those three lessons stuck with me forever. And because I did them, because I showed up early, because I went above and beyond, because I didn't ask for money, I went from like not knowing what the hell I was doing to 750 customers by the time I graduated college. I paid for college. It was unbelievable. And, and, and it's so simple to do really well in business just by, just by doing that. Yeah. So what, what's the connection between, so you're running this, so many would say thriving, you're, you become this serial entrepreneur, you're, you're in this pool business regardless of how you got into it. And then you end up on Wall Street. What, what was that transition? Well, I had a buddy that was pushing me nonstop, get out of the pool business, get out of construction, get out of the neighborhood. You got to go to New York. You go to New York City. That's where the money is. That's where the, the big, you know, big folks are. And, and uh, I eventually pulled the trigger, went on a bunch of interviews and landed a job on Wall Street. I had like a decade long run. I made some money. My goal was never to make a fortune. My goal was to be able to pay my bills. And um you know, I was, I was getting fat. I was sitting on a trading desk. I, we, we, we were screaming over stuff that didn't really matter and making and losing a bunch of money every day. And um, I eventually packed it in. I sold the business, met my wife, bought a farm in Vermont. And, uh, and that's, how, that's how my current business, Spartan, was started, was, was on the farm in Vermont. So it was a 10-year run on Wall Street. I made some great friends, made some money, and... Um, and now I get to do now I get to do what I love. I love it. We're going to quadruple click on Spartan before we get into the, the races and everything else that you have built on top of this foundation. Talk to us more. The spirit is where I'm going with this. What is a Spartan? Who is a Spartan? Well, Spartan's a mindset, right? It's not a six pack. It's not a bunch of veins. It's not a super fit person. It's a mindset. And um, it could be a mom. It could be a monk. It could be a Marine. It doesn't matter. Uh, if you have that mindset, uh, you get stuff done in life. No matter what's thrown your way, you tackle it. 
So, you know, we've had 10 million people graduate, whether, whether it's Spartan or Tough Mudder, 10 million people. And wow. And I've seen them all, all sizes, all shapes, uh, men, women. And invariably what happens is when, when somebody signs up for an event, you know, the, the confusion is this prior to signing up, if you're even willing is I can't sign up for that. I'm not in shape. And what people don't understand is, um, you get in shape by signing up. If, if, if you were going to be in shape, you'd already be in shape. But most people, most people don't do the work. 90, 90% of people don't do the work, right? They sign up for gym memberships. They don't go, uh, go to, go to, go to central, central park in New York city at 5 a.m., there's 8 million people in New York. There's about eight people at 5 a.m. at park. <laughs> so if you were going to get in shape, you'd, you'd, be, you'd, be in, you'd be in shape already. Um, signing up and committing to something hard forces you to put down the cookie, forces you to put down the marshmallow, put down the glass of wine, go to bed early, wake up early, get the work done. It's no different than a boxer. Rocky Balboa. I was with Mickey Ward this morning. You, you remember the movie with Mark Wahlberg and um, Christian Bale? Yeah, of course. And, and, and he, he agreed with me. I said, I got to ask you a question. I've been saying this for a decade longer. I've been telling people, you got to sign up. for." He goes, no doubt about it. He goes, he goes, I was a boxer and I was always in shape, but not, not in great shape. And, and so as soon as a, there was a fight on the calendar, I got in great. I had 60 days to get in the best shape of my life. And so all I'm saying is put a fight on your calendar. Um, and, and what I learned, what I learned early in life was that I had to put, for me personally, I had to always have a fight on my calendar. If I don't have a fight on my calendar, I'm not pushing, I'm not pushing limits. All right, Playmakers, it's about that time to discover your why. It only takes five minutes. And on the other side, you will better understand who you are how you think, and why you do what you do. Here's how you get the assessment. Text the word why to 310-564-7857. Again, open up a text and send the word why to 310-564-7857. For coaching after, DM me. For now, let's get back to the show. What if? There's a playmaker listening in right now that is drawn to the message, but doesn't know which fight to pick. How would you coach that person? Walk us through. Hey, brother, I'm in. I'm willing to get uncomfortable. I want to grow. I want to tear through the muscle. Maybe that race is not for me. How do I pick the fight? Okay, well, selfishly, I'm going to tell you, I'd like to pick a fight with you, whoever you are out there listening. Um, And... I can say that confidently because I've had 10 million people do one of our events, 10 million. I've probably spoken to 100,000 myself. Everybody I talk to, it changes their life. Everybody. So just just go online. If you need a free entry, um, I'm happy to create a Playmakers um, code. Uh, you guys could, you go out, you that. go out and find 300 Playmakers that want free entries. I'll give them all free entries. I don't care. Um, something in California, you're out in California. And hope, you know, I want them to never have done anything like this before. It, it's very bold. It's scary. It's supposed to be. It's doing its job if it is. 
and uh, we're gonna we're gonna pick a fight, and then and then I'll come back on the podcast, and you tell me, you tell me what you saw, you tell like, this is one of those deals. I'm so confident in what we do here, um, it's like a hundred percent money back guarantee. Like like you just all you gotta do is go <laughs> sign up for one of them. Like it's gonna change your life. Yeah, no, it's so good, man. All right, this is going to be an impossible question to answer because you could probably answer it in a hundred different ways. So I'll just say the first that comes to mind. So you, you say, and I believe you and I feel it. All right, this is a life-changing fight, right? So if I could ask you, and again, this is impossible, pick one story to tell, one transformation, like the person, like not that you have to go this direction, but I heard you in a different convo talking about a 696 pound man. Like whether we go that direction or whether there's somebody else that comes to mind, like what's the one story that continues to just get you out of bed and fuel you because you saw them transform? 696 pound guy. Um, but go down the list. It could be the guy that got run over and has no legs. It could be the woman that got hit while on a motorcycle that's missing one leg. It could be the the veteran that's missing an arm and two legs. But anyway, let's let's go down the rabbit hole of, of Chris Davis, 696 pounds. He comes out and does a race. It's a short distance Spartan race. Should take an hour and 10 minutes. Takes him seven hours. Can't get over some of the walls. 700, 696 pounds. I find out about him. I reach out and I said, come on, you're coming to the farm. He gets 18 months off work and uh, we get him down. We help him get him down to 265 pounds. You can't get a bigger life change than that. I had a guy come up to me last year, two years ago, fireman, veteran, PTSD, not feeling it, grabbed the gun, pressed the revolver to his head, remembers, oh my God, I got a Spartan race next week. Let me put the gun down. Tells me about it. I said, you now have Spartan races the rest of your life. Every single race I have everywhere is on me because I never want, you know, on my watch this to happen to you. So, I mean, go down, I, like a woman with six kids in the Bronx. She says her only peace, peaceful time, the only time she has to herself is going out and doing a Spartan or a Tough Mudder. When she goes out and does something there, she gets away from the kids, away from the family, all her struggles. So much so that she quits her job and starts her own business, right? I, I, I can go on for days with stories. So I want you to take 300 people. It's on me. I'll come back on the podcast. Actually, we shouldn't finish the podcast till after you do that. And then we'll catch the last piece. And you tell me, all 300 are going to tell you, oh my God, changed my life. Well, what's really cool about what you're saying, Joe, and thank you on behalf of all playmakers and definitely we'll we'll sink on all those details, but the spirit of this show, it's all about repositioning purpose as something that used to be a very distant North star, which is a very frustrating feeling for a lot of people because most people cannot clarify what their purpose is. And I'm on a mission to solve for that. I'm on a mission to democratize purpose where everyone gets a seat at that table. But here's how you do it. It's not about it staying as a distant North Star. It's about it becoming a 365 way of life. And to use one of your words, I believe that purpose 
is connected to your pain and pain is the fight that you put on the calendar. And sometimes life puts the fight on the calendar. Me losing my pops at 19 years old, that was the fight. For somebody else, it's like you just shared countless stories of the fight that people have to go through and there's purpose in it. There's purpose in this race. And I think each one of these people has a different story of purpose. So back to you though, Joe, I see the purpose in starting Spartan. I feel the fire. My question is, do you feel that, like in your case, do you feel you have multiple purposes? Is there a work purpose, a life purpose? Like, do you look at purpose that way? Or just talk to us about how you interpret this concept of purpose and more importantly, how you put it to action. I think, first of all, purpose is a cornerstone to resilience. If you've got a purpose, for me, if, if, if you want to be the best dad that ever lived or you want to make a ton of money or you want to change 100 million lives, when the going gets tough and it's hard to be that best dad or it's hard to make that money that day or it's hard to change 100 million lives because your business is struggling like mine is, um, you can lean on that purpose and it gives you strength wait a minute, I forgot. The reason we're doing this is not because it's a day in, day out, nine to five job. The reason we're doing this is because we got deep cemented in purpose. Um, it changes throughout life. You know, my purpose, my first 20 years of my life was, was I tough enough? I want to be tough. I want to be like these guys, these wise guys and um, run my business with tough guys. And the second 20 years of my life or 15 years, you know, I want to make money. Wall Street solely focused on making money. And, and that was my purpose. And so every day, all day, that's what I focused on. And then, and then now it's been like, how do I change a hundred million lives? So I think, I think it can change. I think most people don't have a purpose. They don't know how to even start to find their purpose. Um, I'm not a believer in sitting around and waiting for a lightning bolt to hit you and all of a sudden you found your purpose. I think you got to get out there and mix it up and meet people and, and be like a, an energy giver and just make shit happen. Uh, I met a guy today who lives across the street from where I'm sitting right now who, um, you know, he's kind of retired. He did really well in life. His wife is running a couple of optometry businesses and um, I helped him find some purpose today. Hey, you live right across the street. Start coming in this office here, and this is what we're going to do. We're, you know, and 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 um, if had he not met me this morning and just mixed it up, had he just sat on the TV and watched Netflix, right? Like you don't find purpose there. You don't find it there. Like your podcast, Playmakers, is great to inspire some people, but they're not going to find purpose listening to the podcast. You got to get out in the world. You got to go start meeting people. And make shit happen. Yeah. To your point, and that's why when I speak about purpose, it isn't some foo-foo stuff. I, I call it purpose in action. Because without the action, the inspiration is nothing more than a sugar high. And, and so I fully subscribe to that. And also, I want to go back to something you said a couple minutes ago. Because unfortunately, not a lot of folks have agreed with me on this. And I'm so stoked that you do. When you said purpose is a cornerstone of resilience, I always say the purpose is the fuel of courage. Purpose is the fuel of resilience. Cause if you're going to get up off the mat, you got to believe in why you're playing the game in the first place. 
And I've played many games without the belief and I often don't get up off the mat. So I know it's not just a hard wiring thing. It's, oh shit, I'm playing this game for a reason. There is a deeper purpose there and therefore you get knocked down and it's not even a question. You just keep fighting. So no, man, I, I love the whole purpose connection to resilience. And when I was about to ask, what's the first step we should take if we haven't tapped into our purpose? You said, go be an energy giver, basically make shit happen. I call that just curiosity. So people always say, oh, what's my purpose? What's my passion? I think there is a precursor to that curiosity. Just get out there. What are you curious about? Within curiosity, you find some passions. Within some passions, you could find a deeper purpose, but curiosity is just much more accessible. It doesn't feel overwhelming. So I, I, I love that you're talking a lot about action. Speaking of that, Joe, you, whether through your podcast or just all the, the folks that you come across, I know that you're on a mission. Part of your mission is to find the secrets to success. So if you were to say, I've connected with all these amazing people and I've noticed some common themes, some common threads, some common denominators. What are those common themes from your circles on the secrets to success? It's so easy. And it gets easier every year that passes because uh, most of the competition is so soft and so um, <laughs> cushy and living in their comfort zone that they're not willing to go the distance. Uh, number one, you don't quit. And then number two, let's go back to the original lessons we mentioned. Um, on time is late. Go above and beyond. Don't have your hand out asking for money. And then the final one, the fifth one, I would say is um, communicate. Give energy. Like just be a great communicator. Be so positive and so fun to be around. People, you light up a room. That's it. I mean, it's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. As we're winding down the home stretch, a few more questions for you. So one is we've been talking a lot about getting up off the mat, maybe the earlier stages of the journey of resilience, but let's say somebody listening in is kicking ass. Like they, they would describe life as they are thriving. So they're on a good one. Now, now the battle is sustainment. How do they stay on top? They feel they're on top. Now, how do they stay there? I heard a story that you told that I love to share with our playmakers. Talk to us about, I believe it was uh, the Marathon Monks or the Monks in Japan. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, but this story of everything just kind of brought it home for me. Well, I mean, the Marathon Monks have been, have been in Japan and Mount Hiai for 800 years. They came over from China with their boats and their barns, and they came set up shop in, on this mountain. And uh, they were some of the original Buddhists and they set up a ritual. And so if you and I wanted to become monks in this temple, we knocked on the door and we said, we're ready, we're committed. And they said, okay, put on this uh, robe, shave your head, put on these sandals and start walking. We want you to do uh, 25 miles every day. And after 100 days, come back. And so you and I shaved our heads. We did all that. We did 100 days in a row, 25 miles a day, 2,500 miles. And we high-fived and we said, we did it. We got it done. Joe and Paul are now monks. And they said, well, not so fast. They said, um, <laughs> we need you to take this rope now and this sword and do another 800 days. But if you decide to quit along the way now, because now you're in. 
Right. If you decide to quit, you got to kill yourself on the course. So I think your message is like, um, look, it's one thing to get in the door. It's another thing to stay in the door. I mean, it requires tremendous amounts of will and, and commitment. One last story from Japan, I'll tell you, as, as a Jiro. Jiro is the, the, the best, most famous uh, sushi restaurant in the world. And um, it's a small little restaurant. Can't get a table. And if you and I wanted to work there, they would, you know, Jiro, the owner, would say, all right, start cleaning rice. And so we would clean rice. And after a few months, we got really good at cleaning rice. And clean rice, he would say. And we said, fuck, we've been cleaning rice for like three months now, four months, five months. You don't get a knife. You don't get to do anything else until you've cleaned rice for eight years. So talk about commitment. Talk about rolling up your sleeves and sticking with it until the job is done. I think everybody listening needs to do a head check and say, like, you know, do I have what it takes to not only get there, but then stay there? So good. So good. All right. Final question. And then we'll cut out part of your vision as I understand it to be. And I know you wear many hats in life, but as a parent, I know that part of your vision, and then we're going to tie this to playmakers. You want your kids, I'm sure there's many things, but two that I know are, you want them to be productive and happy. So let me double click on that second one and let me bring playmakers in. The first piece is, how are you creating that environment or what are you putting your kids through in order to spark that sense of happiness, to elevate their sense of happiness? Maybe your answer would be the same that you would coach a playmaker listening in. Maybe it would be a little different, but would just love to know if the goal is to level up our happiness, talk to us. Well, so I, I just think about my own childhood, right? I think um, you're happier as a human being. I was happier as a human being. Um, when I was able to push myself through struggle, when I was fitter, so I was working out every single day because that releases an enormous amount of chemicals into the brain, when I was eating healthy and not filling my body with garbage, um, and we all s slip, I slip, um, but, but the cleaner I ate, the more I worked out, the more I was able to struggle and push through it, um, and then having some key relationships because um, all the science shows that uh, if we're able to communicate well and have some good relationships, we live longer. So it's really, it's really that simple. Um, doesn't matter to me if they wrestle or play soccer or, you know, make cannolis for a living. As long as they work really hard, they take care of their bodies um, and they struggle. Yeah. You know, what's really cool about what you just said. And this was a through line of our whole conversation. You know, often I think of whether it's a Spartan or just something else, when I think of just when I get in kind of more that battle mindset, it, it sometimes feels like a solo game, but I'm hearing the exact opposite from you. I'm hearing the power of tribe. I'm hearing the power of community, whether it's race related, whether like it's being that energy giver, whether you just talked about how to tap into happiness. It's not a one person game. Most of the time, it, it actually like tougher to be happy on your own, easier to be happy when you're connecting with people that are like minded, like hearted, one of which could be that Spartan community, but everyone has a tribe. So this is so good, man. All right, where do we, not that you're tough to find, but where can our playmakers find you, follow you, stay in touch? If you want to share anything new and exciting you're working on, please fire away. Just shoot me an email, joe at spartan.com. 
happy to meet, talk to anybody anywhere. Um, you guys are awesome. And um, just write a short email, like two sentences, and I'm happy to um, happy to get you some entries. You, you, you Paul, you have to get uh, round up 300 maniacs, 300 playmakers. 300, ma- they got to be maniacs, right? Um, well, maniacs in the sense that they're willing to pull the, <laughs> pull the trigger. They just got to be willing to do crazy shit. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Very good, Joe. Well, hey, from the bottom of our hearts, brother, thank you so much for being on Playmakers. You're awesome. See ya. Another episode in the books. You know the drill. If it added value to your life, subscribe, share, leave a review, and help grow our Playmaker community. For keynote speaking and why coaching, visit paulepsteinspeaks.com. And last call, if you haven't already, take your why discovery now. Pull out your phones and text the word why to 310-564-7857. Again, text the word why to 310-564-7857. Playmakers is proudly produced by Detroit Podcast Studios. Until the next time, dominate the day on purpose.